let's talk about this. If we're going to give a gift this Christmas to God. Now, how many of you have gift-giving rules in your family? Like, um, like how much people can spend on a Christmas gift? Do any of y'all have like a cap on you can only spend this much? Any? No? Oh, all right. All right. We got a few. Because I've seen that. My, my little sister tried to implement that in our family one year. She says, okay, you can only spend this much. And I'm, I'm, and I'm not sure if the reason for that is because, um, like, they, they gave a gift and then somebody gave a great gift. And now you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm the, the lesser giver, you know. So, so, therefore, $50. You can't go over $50. That way nobody outgives me this year, all right? Maybe, maybe that's it. Um, so maybe that's where that rule comes where, um, anyone here, do you ever experience anxiety trying to give gifts of equal value to the people who give to you? Like you just like, it's a little bit of stress if somebody treats you really nice and you have them a little, all right, some of you have that. Now listen, if you're going to take seriously this, uh, giving a gift to God this Christmas, you're going to have to get over that because you will never outgive him um it's just not going to happen so what do you give a, how do you give a gift to somebody who needs nothing somebody who already has everything in the book of acts we're told this about god it said uh, paul says the god who made the world and everything in it being lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. He's already got it. You know, growing up, the hardest person for me to shop for for Christmas was my father. Because he, he would go to the store and if he wanted something, he would just buy it. So come Christmas time, it's like, what does my dad need? Well, he already supplied his own needs. What does my dad want? He's already filled his own wants. So I, it was really hard for me to, to shop for my dad. It seemed impossible to buy for him. The Bible tells us that God is in need of nothing. He lacks nothing. In fact, God is so full in the Psalms, he actually rebukes the people of Israel for bringing him so many sacrifices. In Psalm 50, he says, I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. They're bringing him sacrifices. And he says, they're already mine. To begin with. And then in verse 12, he says, If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. So what can we give to a God who has everything? What can man give to a God who already has all things? You know, good gift giving starts by knowing the person you're giving to. Um, It's good to know what the person likes and dislikes. So maybe that can help us in thinking about God. How many of you have ever gotten a gift that was given to you, and as you open it, you're like, this person doesn't know me at all? Oh, that's so sad that you can laugh, because that's a personal laugh there. That's, you've gotten those gifts. I, I mean, my sweet little sister, she loves giving gifts, and I know she puts thought into it. She just doesn't know her brother well enough. Like, one year she got me, she knew I loved the Dallas Cowboys. And so she got me a jersey from the Cowboys. It was from Vinny Testaverde, who played for like three games for the Cowboys. And I was like, 
she doesn't, she just didn't know enough about the, you know, she, she was really trying. And I was like, um, you know, like, um, if you were to give my wife garden fresh tomatoes, now garden fresh is a good thing, all right? I mean, they're fresh, they're new, so, you know, some of those of you who like tomatoes, you're like, yeah, that's a good thing. My wife hates tomatoes. That would be a terrible gift for her, all right? So, um, uh. Knowing the person is pretty important if you're going to be good at gift giving. And I wonder if we ever give unto God and he thinks, I don't think they know me at all. Isaiah 64.4, the prophet, he's realizing that, that God is radically different from what we would expect. Um, he's different from what other people uh, ascribe to other gods. He says, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You see, all other so-called gods, they demand that people do for them, to serve them, to give to them, sacrifice to them. And he says, our God is not like that. He is, he is radically different. Our God, from the beginning of time, no one has ever heard, no one has ever seen a God like our God. And what makes him so different is that he does for those who wait on him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, we're told that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. What are the eyes of the Lord they're, 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 they're running to and fro. They're looking, for, they're looking for something throughout the whole earth. Even this morning, God is looking for this on the earth. He's looking for something. Why is he looking? Because this is what he wants. This is what God wants. What does he desire? He desires to give strong support to those whose hearts are blameless towards him. God desires to act on those who wait on him. He wants to give. He wants to build up. He wants to rescue. He wants to redeem. So what do you give a God like this? Who wants to act and give strong support to those whose hearts are blameless towards him. What do you give to them? Well, I think 1 Peter tells us something. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him. Because he cares for you. What do you give a God who wants to act in strong support for you? You give him your anxieties. You give him your worries. You give him your troubles. You give him your problems. God wants those things. So much so that this verse is given to us in the form of a command. He, He commands it. Cast all your cares upon him. God will gladly receive from you and I anything that shows our dependence on him because it shows him to be all-sufficient. Anything that that, that would say that we depend on him, he will gladly receive that. I mean, now this is good news for some of you. Some of you are thinking, man, if God wants my problems, Merry Christmas. I mean, I got them. Here they are. That's all I got is just problems. For others, this may be a hard truth to grasp. I don't know about you, But I kind of like living in a way where I'm not a burden to other people. I don't want to be needy. I don't want to. I I don't want to be a burden to others. Um, 
Sometimes people will ask you how you're doing, and, and rather than give a, a truthful answer about something that's involved a problem, you just give them, I'm, I'm fine. But, and, there, and there's a pride underneath that. And I don't, want to, um, I don't want to show myself as being of need. I don't want to show myself of having not enough. I, I don't want to show myself of being uh, insufficient in some way. I like to be the person who's able to give, not the one who's in need of it. But we cannot be that way with God. The Bible says that, that God opposes the proud. That kind of pride puts you at odds with God. For some, casting your anxieties on God is simple because anxiety may be all you got. For others, to bring your burdens to God, it goes against your pride. And, and, and that's why you have, you have to humble yourself to do so. It says, I want to give strong support to those whose hearts are blameless. So you humble yourselves and you cast your anxieties on him. And, and the answer to why is in that verse. Why? Because he cares for you. He, he cares for you. I think another verse that might be helpful to us as we consider this question, what does God want for Christmas? What can I give God for Christmas? Micah 6.8, which reads, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That word humble just showed up again. Humble yourselves before the Lord and cast your anxieties upon Him. Humble, get, walk humbly with you. What does God want? He wants us to be just, to be kind, and to walk humbly with Him. Walking indicates relationship. All right? Walking indicates relationship. Back when Julie and I had one child, even two, we really enjoyed going for walks together. It was a part of the relationship. Now, it's, it's, that's more like um, hurting and it, and it, the, the just, you just can't, you can't get there with that many. Um, anyway, um, walking, it, 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 it involves a, a, a relationship, presence. And during the Christmas time, so much focus is placed on the present, presence. We're giving presents. What would I, what present would I give to God? No, he doesn't want the present he wants your presence. All right? It's relationship. You know, when I was a child, what mo- made me most excited about Christmas was the presence. But now that I'm older, it's really the, the, the presence of the person. It's, it's, it's being with, with those that I love. I don't, I don't need stuff. I want them. And that's, that's it. And I see a lot of heads nodding here. I think the older that you get, it becomes less and less about the stuff and more about time together. Listen, your heavenly father is that in perfection. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants the relationship with you. I don't mean to discount giving unto the Lord... As, as not having any value. Because we are, we're to bring offerings and gifts before the Lord. In, in that way we ascribe to him that we, 
we find him of worth, that's part of what giving an offering is. It's part of worship. But what God wants above all things is a relationship, the presence of those he loves. There's some other things you need to understand about walking with God. I mean, we already touched on you have to be humble to do so. Uh, a lot of people, I see them do this. It's like they, they're like, they, they think they've done God a favor because they showed up to church. Or because they prayed. Listen, you, erase that kind of attitude. You didn't do God a favor at all. I had one fella try to um, excuse his lack of participation in any church. He says, I, I've made a deal with God. I told him, I won't go to your house and I won't expect you to come to mine. I said, man, good luck with that. Because there's some things in the world that will hit you and you're going to wish God was in your house. Don't, 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 don't barter with God like that. But he really thought he was doing God a favor if he showed up at church. No, we're not doing God a favor. So you've so you got to be humble. Set aside pride. Any sense of entitlement, any notion that God is somehow privileged to have us with him is, is toxic to a relationship with God. Second thing you need to understand about walking with God is there's a difference between walking with God and God walking with you. And what Micah 6, 8 says is that you walk humbly with God. That means that God chooses the direction. God, God chooses the steps. We are not walking saying, hey, God, I want to go do this and, and, and I expect you to come alongside and, and bless me as I do as I want to do. No, to walk humbly with God means that you say, okay, God, you direct my steps. You choose my path and I'm going to be with you in relationship. There's a third thing that you need to understand about walking with God, and that's the importance of justice and kindness. If you are going to walk with God, then there are two essentials, two requirements, to do justice and to love kindness or mercy. And this is a challenge to do so because justice and kindness are almost kind of polar opposites. So, so when a wrong is done, justice requires that an appropriate consequence happen. You do wrong, you suffer a consequence. Someone does wrong to you, they suffer a consequence. That's how justice works. Furthermore, justice also works like this, that appropriate awards be given. So that if you do a good job, you ought to receive a proper reward for that. That's part of justice. Kindness, on the other hand, some of your translations will say mercy, it would have us not to issue out a deserved consequence. Uh, it would also require us to, um, the, the kindness and mercy, to, to give beyond what is deserved. Justice and mercy. To do justice and to love kindness, as the word tells us, it's not easy. And sometimes I find myself leaning so much on the justice side that somebody could see my lack of mercy and accuse me of, of, of being harsh. Sometimes I can lean so much onto the mercy side and I'm, and I'm not bringing forth enough justice that somebody could accuse me of not being fair. That's not fair. I like, the, you know, uh, folks will like to think about um, that, that with God it's all mercy. No, it's justice and mercy. They, they, they'll put up the scenario like, what do you do? Like, what if, what if somebody was guilty of committing murder 
and, and you get to be on the jury to determine um, their sentence. And, and now you're there, you're saying, okay, I need to be merciful to them and I'm going to give this murderer a second chance. That would be the loving thing to do. The loving thing is to give that murderer just, uh, mercy. You see, there's more people involved in that than just the accused. See, there's people that lost their loved one. Would, would they feel like they were loved with somebody else getting mercy? No, they would feel love with the justice. It's justice and mercy. It's not simple for us. But it's what God calls us to do. To do justice and to love kindness. That's what we have to strive for if we're to walk with God. So walking with God, it means that he determines the direction, but it also means that he determines the manner. Look, you can't honestly expect to walk with God, to have a closer relationship with God, if you are unkind. All right, that's, that's, we want to love kindness. You just can't be mean to people. I'm, I've known folks, they have all this theological information they've learned, but they, they can't be kind to other people. You have to be kind. You have to, to love. Um, likewise, a, a, an, an overabundance of mercy also shows a lack of love. I think the only person that has ever a, a perfectly lived out love, to, to perfectly live out justice and mercy is Jesus. He's the only one that's ever done it and that walked that line perfectly. You know, in the cross, you see both the mercy and the justice of God. In the cross, we see the justice of God. God pouring out wrath on the sins of man. Sin did not go unpunished. It, it deserved punishment, and it was punished. And, and God's anger was poured out on his own son, Jesus, and he received that punishment, hanging there on that cross, being beaten and bruised and bloodied and, and, and hanging there, suffocating. Punishment was dealt. It was justice. But in the cross, we see the mercy of God. As sinners were given forgiveness. Forgiveness that we did not deserve and could not earn. Could not merit on our own. Because of what Christ did on that cross, mercy happens. You see it perfectly in Jesus. Jesus did precisely what God desired. It's spoken through the prophet Micah. To, to do justice and to love kindness and mercy. He wants you to do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with him. And those three things are so intertwined, you cannot successfully focus on one. They all, they all work together. And truthfully, the, the, the more you walk humbly with God, the more you will love kindness and the more you will do justice the the longer you and the longer you work on your kindness and your justice the, the easier it becomes to walk humbly with god they they all they're intertwined you cannot separate them so you have to do justice love kindness and walk with god in a humble fashion i'll give you one more thought on what god wants for christmas jesus notices this uh, widow as she's giving an offering. And he, he, he catches her attention. And in Luke chapter 21. It says Jesus looked up. And he saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. 
And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had. Now, I want you to notice that Jesus did not say that giving in the offering box was wrong. Nor did he indicate that the offerings of the rich were not received by God. What Jesus is indicating is that God sees the heart of the gift. Not the amount. God sees the sacrifice in the gift. See, that widow, she, she had lost her husband. Um, she, she probably did not have the means to, to earn a living. Two coins was the equivalent of a day's wage. Maybe she got a job that day. And that was everything that she got for that whole day's wage. And she brings it into the temple and she places it on offering before her God. It says she put in all that she had to live on. What was it about her gift that caught Jesus' attention? It was not the amount, but the heart behind the gift. By giving the little she had, she demonstrated that she was trusting in God to provide more than her ability to work, more than her ability to invest. She was trusting God. God will gladly receive anything from you and I that shows our dependence on him, as, that, that shows him as being all-sufficient. He will gladly receive any gift that's, that shows that. There's more that we can say about giving unto the Lord as we consider what God wants for Christmas. Second uh, Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The heart, not to give grudgingly. Oh, God, I'm going to give you my time. Uh, I don't want to. No, it's like, God, it is my, it's my, it's my privilege. It's my, it's my joy to, in relationship with you, give you my time, give you my, my stuff. So let me wrap this up for us. So oh, here's one more verse. First uh, Timothy 2. Says this is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of our God, our Savior, who desires that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. What does God want for Christmas? He wants you, every bit of you. Mistakes, a broken past, hopes and dreams for the future. He wants all of you. He is so committed to being with you. He is so committed to having that relationship that he sent his son Jesus at Christmas knowing that Jesus would would walk in his ways and that would lead him to the cross and by what he's sacrificed on the cross. Now, sinful men and women like you and I can have a relationship with him. He's committed to this. It's what he wants. He wants you. In his son Jesus, we see justice and we see mercy. And because of that, we can come into the presence of God by the soul-cleansing power of his blood. So come to him. Be with him. Come by faith. If you have not received the salvation that God provides in his son Jesus, it's pretty simple. God didn't make it complicated. You trust in him to save you.
and you trust him with your whole life. That's what God wants, not just on Christmas, but every day. But tomorrow's Christmas, so we might as well think about it in Christmas. And if you have trusted in his son, you know you are saved, then, then what does God want? What does God want for Christmas? The answer is still he wants you and all of you. So come to him, be with him. He is not like other so-called gods. He doesn't need anything, but he delights in doing for those he loves. And he would prefer your presence with him than any present you could give him. He wants you to walk with him, to walk in his ways, to do good, be fair, be just, and at the same time to love justice and, and rejoice in kindness. What can you give him? Again, he's already got all things. But he delights in displaying his all-sufficiency. He delights in doing for you. So give him your trust. Trust him with all the things in your life. Both the, the simple and those things that are really too hard for you to handle on your own. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Humble yourselves. Come to him. Bring him your worries, your anxieties. Bring him that holiday stress. That we all seem to experience right now. And trust him to provide you to lift you up at the proper time.